I mean, my favorite character was always Wilson, was always his best friend. But as far as sidekick was probably be Foreman. Foreman? Okay. And I mean, Wilson still counts. He, yeah, because he basically was a sidekick yeah, he, for a lot he, of the yeah, He pretty much is. He's there for the full brunt of it. Including the finale that was so good. Oh my god, they really tied it all together. And I would like to talk about it probably a little, is that the, the very pilot is called Everybody Lies, and the finale they tied together, Everybody Dies. Which I did not know until like a while after the finale. I'm like, God, that's such a great way to tie it together. Oh, cool. I never, never noticed that. Also, a great, great touch is the very first pilot episode. House dismisses the case, says, of course I'm not going to take it. It's cancer. It's boring. She's going to die. And then right as they're about to ride up into the sunset, Wilson says, House, I have cancer. And of course he says, cancer is boring. It's such an amazing show. That's cool. I remember um, in my dad's apartment in New York, I want to say it was like 08, 09. It was like a repeat of the third season. It was the episode where the kid has like the alien visions of like there's someone in his head and they don't know why he's having these hallucinations and why he's having all these visions of things that aren't there. They can't explain it. There are hallucinations. And it was the very end of the episode. My two sisters like were watching it for some reason. It was on Fox. And... It was just crazy to see, like, at the very end, it was just this person in his head scaring the crap out of him, saying all these creepy things. And I'm like, man, what the hell is this? And why aren't I watching it more? Hmm. So, over time... Is that how you first discovered the show? Yeah, it was the first time I'd seen it on TV. And it was just really cool to see something... It's funny because anyone who knows me, and there's, like, everything that I am and people know me for, it seems like the complete opposite. But... For a show that ended seven years ago, I've never encountered a show like it or something that I've grown attached to more. It's so cool. It's just something that can be so drama-ridden, so emotional, so incredibly funny, and so clever, and also be acted out so brilliantly. It's just such a combination that we're not really come across at the same level since. Hey everybody, welcome to the new episode of Character Progression. I'm your host, Dan Brown, and my guest today is my friend Patrick. What's up, Patrick? Hey, how you doing? So, I think you can already tell we're talking about House from House, and you've already gone into how you discovered it, so for anyone who doesn't know, who is House and what is this show? So this show takes place in a fictional hospital in Princeton, New Jersey, and House is this doctor the head of a department that doesn't actually exist in reality called diagnostic medicine, which is just diagnosing patients, which is what every doctor is supposed to do. But he takes the case that every specialist, every other doctor all around the country gives up and they cannot figure out. And he takes each one that is unsolvable and he basically solves it. But what complicates things is people will say that he's a terrible person, which is not really the correct analysis. He's miserable and he doesn't talk to or deal with patients unless they're extremely interesting or very quirky in a way that draws him to it so he solves cases without having to deal with them one-on-one i mean he is kind of a jerk though he is but a lot of people don't consider like oh i stopped watching the show because he's such a jerk or he's so mean but to take an experience that debilitated him and handicapped him and he was already like that before and someone super close to him made a decision that caused him to be in pain for the rest of his life and caused 
a worldview that they already have to become even worse and still want to save lives and do everything is just really unique and something that I really grew attached to. Yeah, for anybody who doesn't know, House has a limp. He walks with a cane and he takes Vicodin and yep. quite a bit of it as the series goes on. As you'll come to know, it's like this whole mystery from the first season of why is he all in this pain, what made him like this, and what made the pain grow worse. There's this really fascinating end of the season finale of the first season where he gives a lecture because some professor is not able to make it. He's like throwing up, can't make it in. So he creates this seminar of these three different cases. They're all like fictional to, pre to prevent the identities of the supposed real patients. And the third one, which is about a patient who comes into a drug clinic with only symptomless pain, and it ends up being him. And it's slowly, it's so funny, the auditorium gets slowly more and more bigger the more he gets into it and the more he gets into his own case. And the pain that he did ended up being a blood clot in his leg that ceased all blood flow and would not prevent anything from going forward. And they had a decision, his girlfriend who had been living with him and who had worked at the hospital, they had to make a decision. Uh, he wanted to be put in a coma to be through the rest of the pain and he had like an 80-20 chance of sleeping through the pain and being fine for the rest of his life or just being in pain forever. And they made a decision, she did, to basically remove all the muscle that had become clotted and had all corroded away and he ended up being in pain for the rest of his life and he couldn't forgive her and she left him. Damn. Yeah, and then they end up interacting again and it makes him become who he is and his worldview is people hurt you. So then, if he has this worldview, I mean, I think anybody who knows you knows you're a pretty positive guy a lot. So, yeah. so what is it about House and a worldview that's pretty opposed to yours that really right. draws you to this character? So what I think should be made is there's a lot of connection to literary and very analytical things on the show. I mean, he lives on 221B Baker Street in Jersey, House Holmes, Wilson Watson. There's just a lot of dynamics that really connect. And also, like I said, just the worldview is so super interesting. And he, they also like try to distract the negative from the comedy and the quips and also all his team members that are so different from him can have different philosophies of life and different experiences that really, um, I mean, my favorite part of the episode, each episode is they call the DDX, the differential diagnosing of the whiteboard. And it will usually be something that besides the disease that is something about the person that makes house or one of the team have a personal issue with it. So I just really think it's fascinating to have a case that, no one can solve, and also they have to have something going along the episode as well to really have a discussion about it. So, I mean, a favorite moment from one of my favorite episodes is the second season. It's this um, nine-year-old cancer girl who has a hallucination and a seizure, and Wilson brings the case to him because he has to convince House it has nothing to do with her cancer, and it's just this moral dilemma, and Chase has something going on with her as well. And then, to make matters worse, of course, if that all was enough, House has a cold that's, like, making him irritable, and he, he talks with a dumpy nose the whole episode. And one of my favorite lines in that is he's 
He loves to leave work early and come into work late the next day. And he's going way out the door, and he says uh, something to the team. is like, um, her oxygen point levels are off a little. It's that suspect enough. And Foreman says, they're only off by 2%. And Hal said, if her DNA was off by 2%, she'd be a dolphin. I, <laughs> I think that's just one of the most brilliant things ever, and just to diffuse the situation. It's just... Stuff like that that I love. And that really just kind of summarizes his character and his interactions with the rest of his team in that one exchange. Yeah, he just he just loves to dismiss the situation to kind of be like, I'm a genius, you're not, go do what I tell you. And if things go wrong, then, uh, oh well, I was wrong. That's basically his mindset, is if something bad happens, then we learn something new. Which is what makes him so dangerous and smart at the same time. Yeah. Right, so then all that taken into account, how has he inspired and influenced your life? I really think the whole a big theme of the show, one of the main ones, is about pain and dealing with pain. And not just me, everyone in their life goes through that. And he goes through his whole life of never wanting to be in it. And he wants to avoid all costs with this relationship that blew up, which caused his leg to be never-ending pain in all his life. And he has good days and bad days, and he'll, he'll be off, bike it in, he'll find something to substitute it, take something to take his mind off it. Uh, he just really, um, he really inspired my sense of humor as well, which has um, been very developed over the past year or two, and um, just never to give up and just always being willing to stick it out and really riding through something and trying to bear the full brunt of it, I really take it from a show, and it just... It's so weird because, like you said, it's like the complete opposite of me in every way, but it's just such a fascinating show and so multi-layered that I just really love everything about it. Yeah, that makes sense. Sometimes there's that attraction to someone who is, I guess, unbothered by a lot of these things and yet still manages to come out on top even if they are worse than us. Yeah. And dealing with something harder than what we are. It almost kind of teaches you to bring yourself up and, I guess, evolve in that way. It's weird because other shows have this and not just House, but with all the craziness and uh, not just in regular episodes, but like the really intense stuff that leads into season finales, it really takes you out of your life and put into this world and think if they can overcome this and they're going through all this hardship and can still come up on top, and then be able to deal with the next crazy thing that was easier and crazier than the last kind of gives you inspiration to be like, all these problems that I'm dealing with, I can, I can also deal with if they're going through all this strife and can still come out with a smile. That's a good way to look at it. Yeah, I, I think so. My favorite season finale was the end of season six. It's very legendary. Just in the way they filmed it, it kind of made headlines. The whole episode takes place when a building collapses because a crane operator smashes into the building for unknown reasons, and then a woman is trapped like two stories under the ground of where the building collapses. And uh, Princeton, the whole hospital, is mainly cutting in house, and house sends the rest of the team to diagnose the crane operator because he thinks that's what caused the crash. And he ends up building this connection with this woman, and she get pillar is trapped on her leg and. We all know how he attached to his to leg and being able to remove it in the decision. And he's having a fight with Cuddy at the time because they're in the midst of relationship drama, of course, as always. And he doesn't want her to ruin the leg. And he promises her, we're going to do everything we can to save the leg, and I promise you that. And they do everything they can 
and they think they're going to make it, and they take her back to the hospital. They ended up at the very end. She's losing lax oxygen to the leg. They remove the pillar. Her leg was already too far gone, so they end up cutting off the leg, even though he promised everything not to. It's this really emotional moment. And then they get her back to the ambulance, and she ends up having a fat embolism, which is something they couldn't have avoided. So the second the pillar had fallen on her, she was already gone. So in the, back to the hospital, she goes into cardiac arrest. And what's crazy is Foreman confronts him, how storms into the lobby. He really just delivers this great monologue. Foreman says, there's nothing you can do, and House like screams at him. That's the point. I did everything right, and she died anyway. Basically, like how it ends, then Cuddy confronts him because he knows he's in a bad place. He's emotional and vulnerable and goes back to his bathroom in his apartment. Then they go back to his apartment, and they end up forming a relationship after seven years of this whole thing they've gone through, and it's just so emotional and raw, and after all the craziness, I just love that. You can go to such highs to lows at all different times, which I think is really cool. Yeah. And it's a good lesson, just kind of in life, like like you said, you can do everything right, and things still go wrong, and it can be hard not to blame yourself in that scenario, even though you know full well you did everything right and what happened was unavoidable. Yeah, and just take it for that situation, not even just in the context of the show, but be able to bounce back from that, like I said earlier, is just you're throwing all this stuff at you, and to be able to still climb on top from it is something really hard to do, and you have to really admire the people, and even yourself, to be able to crawl up from that. Oh, yeah. Everyone has those moments that you may not think about, but if you look back on and go, man, like, I I came back, I pulled myself up from something that was so difficult and tragic or heartbreaking or yeah. just difficult in general in my life and here I am it puts a lot of whatever you're going through now or could go through in the future in perspective when you realize that you've gone through something like that already and you're fine yeah it's kind of like you've made it through it so you know you can again even if it doesn't seem in this moment right you're struggling but it's like hey I've gone through all this strife and all these people have been helping me it really just gives you perspective on what you can do to go forward. Mm -hmm. I did want to talk about House's best friend on the show, which is such a complex relationship and really no other dynamic I've ever seen in a show. His best friend's name is James Wilson. He's an oncologist. He's the head of the oncology ward in the hospital. And they're such completely different people. Like I said before, the House Holmes, Wilson, Watson dynamic and the reference is because Wilson is the most kindest soul, and House is not at all. Like, House is bitter and battle-bruised by the world, and Wilson is so kind and does everything he can for people, and it ends up blowing up in his face because he's so kind, and the world he's dealing with is not as pure as him, and it kind of ends up blowing up. So that's kind of the way they work, is one of the lines in one of their centered episodes is they don't have a social contract. Like, House wouldn't go up to, to him and pretend to tell him his tie was nice, just to be a friend. He would tell him like it is, and Wilson is kind of like his moral compass, like the angel on his shoulder to say the things he should be doing morally, not logically. And when we learn of their history of how they became friends, because they haven't been speaking to each other for several months after a 
terrible finale of season four. We learned that they met at a medical conference in Las Vegas. Wilson had just gone through his first divorce, and he goes into the bar at the hotel, and there's this really annoying guy at the jukebox requesting the same song over and over. And of course, Wilson goes over to him to be annoyed by this guy, and he gets so fed up with him, he takes a champagne bottle, throws it at him and misses, and clashes like a stained glass window, and they end up both getting arrested, and that's how their friendship is born, because <laughs> they were in the right place at the wrong time and, and got involved with each other, which is just... And then that involves that whole relationship, which I think is just so interesting that you're with this person because no one else will be. Before you go on, do they ever explain why House kept playing that one song over and over again? And what song was it? I like to say I'm, like, I'm an expert, but I don't remember... It's something, um, I don't remember off the top of my head, but it's just the same song over and over. But the reason is because Wilson had a briefcase, and the briefcase was open, and there was some divorce papers in it. And House saw him and thought, this guy looks interesting, and he wanted to cheer him up. But he didn't admit to him at the time, so he kept doing that, and he got angry at him, and that made House happy. Then they ended up getting shackled together, and that's really how it was born, because... Mm. House was miserable, and he didn't want to see someone else miserable that he thought could be a potential friend, which is really just something. I mean, that really does also speak to his character. Yeah, and a lot of people don't realize that over the course of the show, he's this guy, he's this bitter guy who doesn't care about anything about himself, but the people he does care for, he does these things and says these things and has these actions that he would never mention their faces that he really cares for, but he does it because... He's so afraid of losing all these people he cares about, but he'll never admit it because he's so proud. Okay, so then let's move on to a section I call Big G, Little G. Right. Big G is how have the lessons that you've learned from House been, or how could those lessons potentially be good for the world? And the Little G is how have those lessons been good for you specifically? So I think for the Big G... For the world, I really help think it could shine a light on on pain addicts and like what they go through and like the whole system too. I mean, a lot of people have talked about medical dramas and like the hierarchy of hospitals and all the crazy things that happen and what goes through unnoticed and what goes on on a daily basis. And especially all the things that House and all these different patients have to go through just so they can't be in pain, and this pain that people go through, I really think it showed that, hey, prescription drugs and people abusing it are a thing, but it's also because the system is so screwed up that they have to go through these routes to feel this way and to get relief from it. So I really think it shined a light on a really serious way on, I also dabbled in insurance policies and like how patients can be dropped and and also just all the relationships everyone goes through and all these different ways that how you can maybe take some lessons from it to improve your relationships and also also not do what these people did. Hmm. But um, as far as Little G, for me, I really think it came at a really important time in my life. I was really struggling with personal... Um, I mean, the show started. I mean, I didn't see the show when it started because I was like maybe... 14 when I first saw it, and the show ended in 2012, when I would have been like 
16, 17. So, and then as it was going on, I was getting caught up on everything I missed. So it was kind of really like a rock in my life where nothing else was. I didn't really have a lot of people. I didn't have a great support network at the time. So it really was both in the humor and in the drama. It was something I could really rely on to get through it. And I could just really put it on, put on the DVDs to really just take solace that, uh, just makes me feel better about the situation I'm going in right now. It's interesting to me how many times I've heard similar things over the course of this podcast, talking to different people. You know, I was going through a hard time or things were rough for me, and then I discovered this show, and then this character from it jumped out at me and really just made this huge impression. Yeah, I also think... Just to touch on that, it really depends when it hits you out your life and what time you're going through. And just to find a character that you resonate with in a time where maybe you're not doing so hot or maybe you are doing good and it makes you feel that much better, it really improves your situation that much more to realize, like, hey, there's these people I can watch and see all the time that I like I relate to and they can help me deal with this situation. And it's just really special and I really hope, like, so many people can find that. So then, if you had the opportunity to speak to House, if he rode up his motorcycle and limped in here after he got done insulting you, because let's be honest, it's the first thing he would do, what would you say to him? Well, it's funny you say that because he wouldn't want anything to do with me. A, because I'm not sick or terminal or have anything wrong with me, but I think the only reason... See, that's hard to say because even people who, who know him or know what he's all about, sometimes he doesn't want to give the light of day. But I think what I would say to him is I know what you went through growing up and I know how hard it was for you and also to lose it. And I want you to know that it's okay even if you're not okay. Because another main factor is not only the leg, this is... Something really important I want other people hopefully listening to know is a big factor of how he turned into the way he is before he lost the leg is his dad was an army guy. They were always moving around. Growing up, he was the only child. And his mom was the sweetest, most gentle, spoil him every chance he got. And his dad was the ultimate hard ass. He was in the Air Force, no, the Navy. And he just, nothing was ever good enough. He was always perfectionist, he would say, why aren't you happy, and why aren't things always good enough? And whenever he would come to the hospital, like the one or two times he came during the show, he was always disappointed, always wanted more than he was having right now, and he never got why he had the cane. He thought he was entitled to have the cane. And it goes on that a couple seasons later, after we first see him, his dad ends up passing. It just really... The dynamic isn't a lot there, but it gives you more insight to this person one parent was always wanted everything for him and the other nothing was ever enough for them so it really shaped him into who he was and then to be constantly put in pain every day by someone you trusted and loved more than the world and then you turn on them just because of all the strife you're going through is man it's really something at so many different times it just gave me insight and all these crazy psychological physical things and the emotions and all these funny and antics and all these powerful moments is just 2012 it ended and here we are in 2019 and just 
still my favorite, know most every episode by heart. It's just really weird to me that I know why I like it, but at the same time, it's just like, it is such a show that it's not really like me, but I can always go back to it. Yeah, I know one episode that I want to say is from the first season or two that always stood out that, like, I think was the first episode that I watched that I'm like, okay, I like this show, was when there was a nun who was brought in for just a mysterious illness that they couldn't figure out why. And for anyone who hasn't seen it, House is a, what I'll call a devout atheist. Yep. And there's a point where they think they found what's wrong with her. It didn't work, and she's still getting sick. And while the other nuns are panicking and they're worried about what's wrong, House, in that same way, trying to diffuse the situation, says something that is the exact opposite of it. And he goes, do you think someone's out to get her? And the nuns start freaking out even more. And he almost has this moment of, like, surprise. Like, wait a second, why are they more upset? That should have worked. Yeah. That um... should have cracked a smile there. But now me referencing that the devil might be after their nun friend didn't make them feel better. Weird. That one especially, it is first season. It's, like, halfway through the first season. It's That is one especially such a multi-layered episode because... I'll talk about with the episode, uh, how it actually starts, but one of my favorite moments is House is in the chapel, and uh, the nun walks in, and he's on the bench, and of course he has his radio antenna TV pocket in his lap. She's like, what are you doing here? This is a holy place. And he says, uh, best reception. <laughs> and then, and then he takes that up by a chocolate, and he takes a bite. He's like, want some? And she goes, I shouldn't. But then she grabs it, and then she reveals to him about the patient, the nun, who was Say she's like, she never really cared for her. She's a hypochondriac. Everything was always wrong. And then she starts, you always seem to deflect with a joke, but I can see what's really hidden with you inside. And then, of course, House being the analytical guy he is, that's really impressive. In a span of two minutes, you went through four of the deadly sins. (laughs) You went from gluttony with the chocolate, jealousy with the nun, and envy that she's getting the treatment. And also, coming on to me, I really think that's lust. <laughs> so, and the whole context of that episode, what becomes such a problem, she shows up to the clinic, her hands are all red and blistery, and they say there's nothing been new in contact, and he starts to do examination on her, and he's like, oh, this little simple, just take these two pills. Yeah, he gives two pills, just take these once a day, you'll be fine. He goes out, talks to Cuddy, do their usual shit, and then she starts having an asthma attack or a panic attack. So he has to come out and jam the needle in her chest to inflate her lungs. And the whole controversy that Cuddy comes to is she really thinks there's nothing wrong with her. He just gave her, she has a placebo effect, and that he gave her the wrong needle and that they could become liable. Then the other factor of it is Chase, that they learn, because it's only the first season, they don't know anything about the team yet is Chase grew up in Sunday school and going to religious school, and it all becomes apparent when House reveals who the patient is, and all Chase says is, I hate nuns. And <laughs> you you learn because of, like, you got, you know, his hands smacked by rulers and things that he had to deal with, and he had, that episode especially is, is so complex, and there's so much going on, and of course he learns about House's atheism, which is ever-present, but that's a really great one. 
we won't go over what ends up being wrong with the nun, but yeah. it is something that I just kind of have to hand it to the writers of like that is clever. Yeah, it's another one of those couple of situations like we could have avoided this whole thing four days ago. <laughs> you could have not come in, but uh, it's really clever. Mm-hmm. Moving on. If you were to run into somebody who's going through a hard time in their own life right now, given the lessons you've learned from House and from the show, and given your own connection to it, what type of advice would you give that person? I would say either take some time for yourself, try to decompress a bit, or try talking to someone who's going through something similar, or... Even someone you don't want to bother, who you like going to, who's someone who makes you feel better whenever you hear from them, even if you don't want to bother them, because I know I've been in that situation, I would definitely recommend reaching out and be like, not even like, hey, I'm in a bad spot, like, hey, I could really use talking to someone right now. And nine times out of ten, they're gonna, if you're on good terms with that person, they're gonna come back with you and be able to listen to whatever you're going through and I know it's such a cliche and everyone and every media has ever say it, but I really do believe there's nothing you're going through right now you can't overcome. Because if it's something you can't overcome, you wouldn't be here right now and where you are in this in the situation, whatever you're going through. So that's definitely a huge theme in the show and what you're going through, like all this crap and everything that makes you want to call quits, lock your apartment, crawl under the blankets, is you're going to get through it, and you're going to get to the next thing, and you're going to become stronger because of what you went through previously. That's really good advice. That's really what I can say is what you're going through right now, and if you're feeling down, and also just find something that takes your time off it. Like I hate to use the word hobby, but just something that you look forward to doing and be able to say, like, hey, I have this thing coming up in a couple of days. I have to have something you're always looking forward to. It's just really important to be like, God, I'm in this dead-end job. But like, oh, I'm going into that class. or meeting up with those people on Friday. That'll, that'll be so awesome. I can't wait for that. I think that's really important. Just not being, like, a mindless drone rut is uh, really important, too. Right. It helps pull you out of the everyday because if you're doing the same things over and over, it's harder to remember kind of what things are beyond the bad thing that's happening in your own life. Yeah, it also kind of like takes you out of it after if you're going through like every like, trust me, I know we feel like every day is the same and you're just running through the motions. You forget what it was like when you were living your life and you were happy and doing all the things you love you just feel like a puppet on a string so to find something you want to look forward to and just be able to invest in something and this is also why what you're doing is so important to realize that there are motivations to people and all these different works of media that impact people's lives it's just to be able to have that pulling force is really important i didn't even think about that but yeah i hope this helps people yeah it should be it's um Especially to feel like you know a person, no matter how well you think you do, and to be able to be like, well, these people think that these characters who really make them who they are, I had no idea that they were going through that, and they're just doing what they can. And the show that I saw when I was young, it really gave me strength and also 
Oh, maybe I wanted to become a writer because of it. Also, that'd be the ultimate story. Like, oh, I became a doctor because of the show. But no, I had the. That's like the ultimate twist. I had the least desire in the world to become a doctor. Right. After all of it, yeah. But it's just to learn from someone based on what they love. I also think is a really great insight. It actually reminds me of something I just learned today. Akira Toriyama, the creator of Dragon oh, Ball. Yeah. Oh, man. His love of art and his desire to do art for a living came after watching the 101 Dalmatians movie. Oh, yeah. I think I didn't know that. Things about him. When, uh, not to sidetrack, but one of my favorite moments in the manga, when the manga is just so great and so funny, and his personality really comes out, and uh, the translation is just really good. Um, it's the scene where um, Goten and Trunks are trying to learn the fusion dance, and they have to do it three times to get it right. And of course, they do have like the two bum modes. And on the third one, they're showing the third set of panels. And he always personalizes himself in all of his manga as, as him in a gas mask. And then the third sequence, when they're doing the fusion dance, it's him in a little speech bubble. And the bottom right is like, uh, hey, Mr. Editor, you don't have to pay me for all these frames. I know I've been reusing them because I'm lazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's so great. That's awesome. Yeah, it's great. All right. So since we're running out of time now... This is the point where I give people the opportunity to plug something. It can either be something you're working on. I know you're doing some theaters um, performances right now. Or it can also just be something and things you enjoy that you think more people should know about. For anyone in the Central Florida area, uh, Fringe Festival, the Orlando Fringe Festival that happens every year, which is a massive showing of theater and like in several different venues. It's been going on for like, I don't know, 25 years here and it's just started today and a bunch of people today being a week ago or a week and a half ago (laughs) from from when we recorded this but it's going to be going on the next two weeks and i'm going to be i'm not in any shows this year but people who have done shows with who i just wrapped a musical with last month they're going to be doing a show called the war and immersive audio drama which i was a part of last year and they're bringing to a friend show please go see it go see them that would be the world to me and what i would really recommend we'll check out right now um i don't know i'm uh, working on a lot of my own stuff i'm not really in any auditions right now what i really recommend people check out right now um i mean i don't want to plug another podcast but uh oh, do it please well, what i would really love People check out something really funny is um, I really love uh, so many comedians have their own podcast now because they can just work it with their tour schedule. As um, Tom Segura, who is a, a really hilarious comedian, he and his wife do an amazing podcast called Your Mom's House, and they have new episodes every Wednesday. They hit YouTube, and you're really not the fan of heart. I wouldn't recommend them because they can get pretty filthy, but they get incredible guests, and uh, I really recommend that. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to keep doing what I do, keep auditioning, and keep making stuff. Cool. So keep an eye out for just any local performance you might see Patrick in it. If I'm not in it, I'm probably in the audience. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So thanks again for doing this, man. Thanks for having me, man. All right. Cool. Uh, Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye.